good to be here this morning, and I want to just uh, mention this. Again, I think it's kind of neat. Uh, again, uh, things have changed over the 20 years. Um, there's a lot of people that have grown older, I guess, over the 20 years. But also technology has changed over 20 years. And things in the church have changed over 20 years. Uh, when we started 20 years ago, there was no one playing the piano. Did you know that? No one playing the piano. How did you get through church without someone playing the piano? We used a cassette tape up here, and we played music. That's different, isn't it? 20 years ago, I recorded messages in case someone wanted them to give out to maybe somebody else, maybe a gospel message to do what, uh, you know, whatever, give out. And we used to hand out cassette tapes. You know, some people might not even recognize a cassette tape. I mean, some may not even recognize what a eight-track tape is. Ever heard eight-track? Probably not. No, maybe you have a little bit if you're a little older. But uh, things have changed over 20 years. And 20 years ago, I came here with just two children and my wife and some families. And uh, we had some visitors. That was 20 years ago. It was quite different. Little Josiah sitting there, uh, he didn't exist. <laughs> He wasn't here. 20 years ago, there wasn't anybody from our church that really was doing, as far as preaching, what I'm doing today. But this day, believe it or not, there's someone preaching the Word of God today. What's his name? His name's Owen Dranstead. He's preaching today. He's not a preacher, like you would say, a regular preacher. But he's preaching today. And I would almost guarantee he's preaching the gospel today. Things have changed over 20 years. Dave Singleton, I invited him to come to our service today just because he was a part of our church years ago. And you know what he's doing today? He's down in Missouri helping a preacher today. Things change over 20 years. And uh, despite how things change, there's a reason why we exist. And there's a reason why we came to Valley City in the first place. Not just me, but others that came with me. But there's a reason for our existence. And there's a reason for a church. And uh, many may look at church as being some spiritual crutch, and that's all it's about, some spiritual crutch that people might go to and attend, maybe once a week, maybe to get some spiritual, uh, again, shot in the arm, so to speak. And I'm not saying that's not one of the reasons for a church. But I want to consider here today some things concerning why this church exists and why any church should exist. And if we're not about doing why, again, what a church exists for, then you might as well close the doors of a church. And I'm not saying, again, we should close the doors of our church, but I'm saying churches should close their doors if they're not following what God would have us to do as far as why a church exists. And so, again, as we celebrate 20 years, it's amazing what changes in 20 years. And, uh, again, as we celebrate graduations, we, uh, we congratulate uh, students for continuing in their education and finishing their course of their education. But I want to consider here this morning why Calvary Baptist Church exists, because we need to understand why a church exists. And if you want to be a part of a church, you need to understand why it exists. And, you're here today because you believe churches should exist. 
And so I want to consider this thought, why Calvary Baptist Church exists. It's good for us to understand this. Let's turn to Romans chapter 15. This is, again, a message maybe to help you and to encourage you, but also to see that we have done those things which are good and pleasant and wonderful and good in the eyes of God, seeking to do what a church exists to do. And so let's begin here, and I'm going to read uh, two passages of scriptures. We'll look at a little bit from each passage. Again, I uh, probably could spend longer than I'll try to spend here this morning on this message, trying to explain to you why a church exists in just one message certainly isn't going to be easy. But I'm going to try to look at some good reasons for why we exist. Romans chapter 15, let's begin in verse number 1. Romans chapter 15, verse number 1. We that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that are reproached thee fell on me. And whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. And, for, and we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Jesus Christ, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to stop there. We're going to look at some verses following that in just a little little bit here. But again, I just want you to just kind of zone in a little bit on verse number 6, that we may with one mind... And one mouth glorify God, even our Father. You know, the number one reason why a church exists is to give glory to God. To give glory to the head of the church. To give glory to Jesus Christ who saved us, if you're saved. To give glory and honor to the one who's due his name. To give glory to the one to whom who all knees shall bow, whether in heaven or on earth someday, to give glory to God that created everything around us, to give glory to God that gave you life. That's one of the reasons why the church exists. And again, as we consider another passage, let's consider if we move forward here through the epistles, let's go forward to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Why does the church exist? Certainly to give glory to God. To give glory to his name. To glorify his word and his works. To give honor to whom it is due. But as we consider here why a church exists, and these aren't the main points, we'll again consider them in just a moment, but uh, Colossians chapter 1, I'd like us to begin there, verse number 12. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 12. Giving thanks on the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and has translated us in the kingdom of his dear Son, and whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. 
He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you who were sometimes alien and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through, the de- through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. Wherefore Paul... I am made a minister who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in the flesh for this, for his body's sakes, which is the church, wherefore I am a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of, uh, word of God. Even the mystery which he hath hid from the ages and generations now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of glory and, and mystery unto the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. What is the purpose of the church? I mean, I read through a lot of Colossians there, the last uh, part of this chapter here. It was the purpose of the church. I think it can be summarized here well in verse number 28. It says, when we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Why the church? To perfect every man. To make Christians what they should be. Again, someone might say, why the church? To give glory to its head. But also to perfect every saint. It's not just about being kind of part of a club. You can join any kind of club. I'm not against all clubs. There's a lot of clubs out there. One could join themselves to it. It's not a place to mingle necessarily and meet. Although you can mingle and you can meet in a church. But what is, again, the church to do is to perfect the saints. It's a place where, you know, Christians can gather together and they can see what they should be doing together. Again, as we consider why the church or why Calvary Baptist Church, these are some answers, if you would, why a church should exist. But again, as we consider here this morning why a church should exist or could exist, I want us to consider some thoughts here from these two passages. Some thoughts from the Word of God, which should be our rule of faith when it comes to how we practice our faith. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 3, if you would. Just back up here a little bit in your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 3. Why, uh, again, the church? Why, again, do we exist? Why should Calvary Baptist Church have started in the first place? Why should it continue? Why, why a church in general? Someone says, well, churches really aren't necessarily necessary. They certainly aren't essential. 
Again, all kinds of governments around the world have told us that, right? Canadian government's still meddling up there. Uh, can you imagine being Brandon just north of us? I have friends up in Brandon. You get to meet, you know what? 25% capacity. What's that mean? <laughs> it means the church can't exist together. They're 25% capacity up there in Canada, just north of us. I mean, four and a half hours north of us. There are places around the world where you can't meet as churches. As, 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 yes, individuals can meet, maybe parts of the church can meet, you know, quarter here, quarter there, and so split services and things like that. That's what they're still doing in Canada. There are probably places in Canada you can't meet at all because of COVID. <laughs> COVID continues. But why does the church exist? To give glory to its head? Why does the church exist to perfect the saints? And certainly we do have a task ahead of us. We have a task that's even behind us to some degree. Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 21, the Bible says, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Unto him be glory in the church throughout all ages. World without end. To give glory to God. To tell people about a Savior. To tell people about their Creator. To expound on His nature and His realities. To tell of His unmatchless love and His ability to save and rescue sinners. That's why a church. But let's consider here some thoughts on why a church. Again, let's go back to our, our text that we have there, and I want us to go back to Colossians this time. We're going to look at Colossians a little bit, and we're going to look at Romans a little bit, and uh, consider some thoughts here why a church ought to exist. And again, as we consider these here, these are not the only reasons why a church exists, but these certainly are some good reasons why a church exists. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse number 28, whom we preach... Warning every man. Warning every man. You know why a church exists is a warning institution? It's to warn you. It's to warn you. It's to win you. It's to evangelize you. That's why a church exists. Paul writes here to the church at Colossae and he says, We preach. Warning every man. Warning every man. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 33. That's been our reason for existence here. Not just warning, but winning. It is about seeking to expand God's kingdom. And that is the reason why we exist, to expand God's kingdom through evangelism. It is to extend, again, uh, extend uh, the word of God to other peoples, to nations, to, to uh, individuals around the world. And, and that's why the church exists. And again, there's a lot of institutions that exist for different reasons. And, and uh, maybe their, their reason for existence is to, again, be a business to provide services. And it might be providing products and all kinds of things. But again, the reason, again, one of the reasons, the number one reasons the church exists is to Seek to expand God's kingdom through warning every man and seeking to win 
whom they can. Ezekiel chapter 33, this is one of the reasons why Calvary Baptist Church exists. We're not going to win every man, but we have the ability to seek to warn every man. To give them the message of truth. To give them the gospel message. This was the ministry in general when it comes to Ezekiel. And uh, we go back here to Ezekiel chapter 33. Yes, a different message in some ways. But yet, a message of warning nonetheless. Let's read about the watchman Ezekiel as he warned. Ezekiel chapter 33. Let's begin in verse number 4. It says, when whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. And he that heareth the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman see a sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warmed, if the sword come and Take any person from among them. He is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, son of man, I have set thee as a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. Hear the word and warn them from me. When I say the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die if thou dost not speak to warn them. Wicked man of his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thy hand. Nevertheless, if, I, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he will die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Therefore, O son of man, speak unto the house of Israel. Thus he speaks, saying, If our transgressions and our sins be upon us, and we pine away in them, how? Shall we then live? Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? What's the purpose of the church? To warn people about sin. Now, sin isn't just something to define. Sin isn't something just to talk about. Sin isn't something that just, you know, everybody does because we're fallen. Sin is dangerous to every soul. Turn to Romans chapter 6. And so some may be in a state now today where they are under the penalty of sin and they don't even know it. They don't even know that sin exists. They don't know that sex sin means a thing. They may know about sin, but they don't even know how to be forgiven of their sin. What is the role of the church? The church, like Ezekiel, is to warn people concerning their iniquities, their sins. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, a very familiar verse, but I want to read it nonetheless. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's to warn them about death, but also to encourage them that there's life. That's the role of the watchman. Ezekiel was to warn them and say, hey, turn and live. Live. 
turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Life or death? These are found in the words of God. These are found in the scripture. There's life through Jesus Christ or there's death through sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, this world needs to be familiar with Romans chapter 6, 23, and they need to be familiar with sin and its penalty. But also, as you look at John chapter 3, verse 16, you know just about everybody's familiar with that verse, aren't they? I bet you, I bet you even today, if you ask the average individual, I wish they'd do a little polling on that. It'd be kind of interesting to know. Maybe people aren't this literate. I don't know. I really don't know. It's hard to know. But what if they did a poll and said, for everybody who gives me the right answer to this question, and they, maybe they could make a game out of it or something, I'll give you $100. Quote John 3.16. Quote it. John 3.16. What does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, a lot of people think, again, through baptism, they're saved. Even John 3.16 doesn't say that, right? John chapter 3, verse 18 says, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth, uh, believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. We need to warn people concerning these verses. If you don't believe, you're going to be condemned. If you don't believe, the wrath of God is still upon you. And so we see the, the reason for a church to begin with is expand God's kingdom through evangelism. Let's turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. You know, some people aren't even really familiar with John chapter 3. And again, I don't have time this morning to expand on John chapter 3. But John chapter 3 teaches that you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Again, Acts chapter 8 and Acts 16 and other places would reflect the same thing. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, etc. But John chapter 3, verse number 3, it says, Verily, Jesus, John 3, 3, it says, Jesus answered said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. We need to expand God's kingdom through evangelism. And everybody that goes into his kingdom must be born again. Have you been born again? It's a good question to ask. Have you been born again? If you haven't been born again, you're not part of God's kingdom. And you need to become part of God's kingdom. And so, again... The purpose of the church is to try to expand God's kingdom through evangelism. In a church, you have people come into the church, they'll get saved by grace, and they'll uh, be part of that church, and some will come and go. And that's happened over the years. That's just reality. That's just like any company. That's just like any family. People come and go over the years. But again, our goal is to expand God's kingdom through evangelism, and we've done that. And we need to continue to do that. We need to seek to try to bring people to Christ, and we need to warn them as Colossians says. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 1. And I want to look at this verse 28 again. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 28. 
Why does the church exist to expand God's kingdom through warning and winning? Secondly, we see the reason for uh, the church to exist is to, again, impart wisdom. And uh, we see this in verse number 28 also. Whom we preach, warning man, every man, and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So what is the reason for the church is to evangelize those out in the world, right? But it's also to seek to look into God's book within. To consider the words of God. To consider them thoroughly. I can consider them, if you would, expositionally in a sense to consider them in Bible study and discipleship. And so I would say, why does CBC exist? Not only for, to expand God's kingdom, but to explore thoroughly God's book. That's why. Teaching every man in all wisdom. Not just parts. Not what people want to hear. Not what people maybe. Uh, maybe, you know, want to learn about or not learn about. You know, we could be a church that's all about prophecy, the end times. We could be like that. Well, you've got a church like that today. You know what their name is? Or I don't know if you, it's really a church today, but it's, it's a church today. You know who teaches about prophecy just about endlessly? Anybody? I could, Bill's going, I know who this is. <laughs> He's talking about. Seventh-day Venice. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean. That's not all they talk about, but that is their, their main emphasis, all about prophecy and the times. You know, a church could be about political issues, and there's certainly, again, a lot of churches that promote political issues. A church could be about many different things, but it's about teaching and instructing people in God's wisdom. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 28. Is that my idea for the church, or is that God's idea for the church? What is God's idea for the church? God's idea for the church is that the members would seek to warn every man. Secondly, I believe, again, that they'd be given the wisdom of God and they'd learn the wisdom of God. Again, uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse number 16, the Bible says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus was appointed them. And we saw them, he worshipped, and some doubted, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you, and lo, with the always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. What's the purpose of the church? To get into this book. To seek to find all wisdom. You know, the world has wisdom too. And there are people that are worldly wise. Even Moses was wise in the things of the world. And certainly, again, we might need to be, in the sense, worldly wise to win those that are spiritually not maybe where they need to be spiritually. But our role as a church is to look into the Bible, to understand the book, to understand the reasons we do what we do. Let's turn to John chapter 5, to try to understand God. No man can really, truly, totally understand God, but yet the Bible, again, describes the need for us to know Him. And Paul, again, mentions the need to know Him. 
But also we see here Jesus saying in John chapter 5, verse number 39, something I believe important for us to see here this morning. The Bible says here in John chapter 5, verse 39, Search the scriptures, for in them you think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. There needs to be a looking into the book. Before one's saved and before after one's saved. It's so important. You know, you could be and I could be part of what is called the Church of Christ. And I'm not here to tear down the Church of Christ, but it's another denomination as far as churches go. And they would believe mainly about salvation along the same lines as we do. Repentance towards God, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you must be baptized. That's what they believe. Conversion and baptism, synonymous with salvation. You know, if you were to go to a church like that, maybe down in Texas, I'll just say there's a lot of Church of Christ churches down in Texas. There's a lot in Oklahoma. There's one in Fargo. There's some around here. But their emphasis would be not only in your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but also in being baptized in a church. I would wonder how you would ask someone like that if the rapture, which they believe, I believe in the rapture too, just like we believe in the rapture. If you would ask them, what would happen to someone who just got converted? I mean, their brother, their sister, their aunt, their uncle, the missionary, the preacher, a friend or whatever, just led them to what we would call salvation Christ, the person repented and believed on Jesus Christ. But the rapture came, what would happen to them? They didn't have an opportunity to get baptized. What did the, both thieves and the cross went to hell because one of them didn't get baptized? I, I just want to say this. And if, if we don't explore the book, we're not even going to know what salvation is for sure. I'm not trying to be mean, but how do you know that I'm not a false prophet? I'm not trying to be mean. How do you know that I'm not a false prophet, a false teacher? I think it should be by looking into the scriptures. You'll see that what I say is so. I'm not saying I never say anything wrong. But I'm saying, again, there's a need for us to look in the book because there are many false prophets gone out in the world. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I mean, why does a church exist? It exists to expand God's kingdom. It, it, it exists to explore God's book, to, to, to look in the book, to to search the scripture and seek to find all the wisdom we can find in, in the word of God, uh, to find it and be able to share it and to give it out, but also to seek to practice it. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 15. The Bible says here, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It takes study. And we should be willing to study the book. Verse 24, it says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, instruct, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves while the snare of the devil are taken captive by him at his will. We exist to be able to instruct and teach the word of God. We exist, again, to be able to promote the Word of God. That's the role of the church. It's the role of the pastor. It's the role of the people. 
to get to know the book, to know the book, to know the wisdom of God and be able to teach someone else concerning it. But let me have you turn, if you would, back to Romans chapter 15. I don't want to leave Romans chapter 15 out of this message here today, but Romans chapter 15, there's a lot of things that we could talk about here in Romans chapter 15. And I've already talked about this a little bit, but it's so important, again, as we think about the role of the church, the role of the church, why does Calvary Baptist Church or any church exist? Uh, we see here in Romans chapter 15, verse number 6, it says that, Ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why does the church exist? To exalt God and His character. It's not about exalting a pastor or a preacher or a ministry or anything along that line so it's about exalting Jesus Christ. There are few that deserve exaltation. There are few that, exalt, that, that really deserve glory or praise or honor. The Bible encourages us here to, with one mind and one mouth, glorify God. I mean, one mind, one mouth. Glorify God. Let's turn over to Psalm chapter 22 because that's, that's what we'll be doing in eternity. That's what they're doing in heaven today. That's, I believe, what's worthy of our time is to be able to glorify God with our, our mouth. There are many different ways to glorify God, and I'm not going to spend some time with that thought here really in a large part today. But again, we glorify God with our, our mouth through our, our, our use of our mouth through, through words, through worship, through praise, through thanksgiving. These are the ways we glorify Him. The world may glorify someone through praise and thanksgiving or whatever it might be, but we seek to praise the Lord. Psalm 22, verse number 23, the Bible says, Ye that fear the Lord, praise Him. All ye seed of Jacob, glorify Him and fear Him. All ye seed of Israel, fear Him. Glorify Him. Give praise to Him. Again, the whole Psalms is about that. Again, I just want to read through a few Psalms here quickly. Psalm 29, verse number 2. It's about seeking to praise the Lord. And, and someone, again, might, might look at a church and say, well, they're all about praising the Lord. And there's not much preaching there. And again, I could do that and I could say that. And I probably said something along that lines. But there's need for us to praise the Lord. That should be a lot of our worship should be in, in praising the Lord. Psalm 29, verse number two, give unto the Lord the glory to his name, unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Psalm 35, let's turn over there. Psalm 35 and uh, verse number eight. It says, let destruction come upon him on the words and let his net, uh, it must be a wrong reference. We've got to have a wrong reference. That's just, Regular, normal, nothing's changed in 20 years. Just teasing. <laughs> Hopefully less wrong references. But uh, again, we need to praise the Lord. There's so many verses that talk about that. Uh, it's actually verse 18. Uh, I dropped a, a single number and it doesn't work so well sometimes. I will give thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. 
You can count on something from hopefully every Christian. I'm going to praise the Lord when I come to church. I'm going to worship the Lord when I come to church. I'm going to give thanksgiving to God when I come to church. I might be worn out from the week. I might be tired. I might be disappointed. I might be discouraged. I might be whatever, but I'm going to praise God in the church. But not just here. The church goes home. We need to praise God. We need to pray to God. We need to talk about God outside the church. Yes, in the church, I will praise thee among much people. They're going to hear from me. They're going to hear from me. They're going to hear from you. I will praise the Lord. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 96. You know, some people might get all wrapped up into, you know, being politically on one side or the other, spiritually. uh, Again, politically, I said spiritually, not really spiritually, but mentally. Again, maybe again, they think about so-and-so as being a hero and this other person thinks so-and-so is a great hero and they practically worship him. We need to be careful about that. Psalm 96, verse number 1 and 2. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord. Bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen. His wonders among all people. For the Lord is great. Greatly be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For the gods and the nation are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Verse 30, say unto the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established. It shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the seas roar in the fullness thereof. Let the fields be joyful. All that are therein, when they shall all the trees of the wood rejoice before the Lord. For he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He should judge the word with righteousness and his people with truth. Let people know there's a God and he is to be glorified. We need to exalt him and seek to worship him. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 5. You know, if you don't desire to worship God now, Some people don't desire to go to church or worship or talk about God or think about the things of God or be told what the Word of God says. You know, the Word of God is Jesus Christ. Why would you think someday you're going to worship and praise God in heaven? Revelation chapter 5, I just want to read these verses, verse 9 through 12. There's one worthy of praise, honor, glory, majesty, all these kind of things that we read about him in Revelation chapter 5, it's Jesus Christ. Verse 9, it says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them were ten thousand times 10,000, and thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice, man, I I can't even, as I read this, this is nothing like it would be. I just want to say that. I couldn't say it loud enough. I couldn't speak it loud enough. Can you imagine what 10,000 and thousands and thousands would sound like? Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom 
and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature was in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea. All that are them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Why does the church exist? To simply praise and glorify God. Let's move on. Romans chapter 15. I didn't read these verses in Romans chapter 15, but I want to just read on here a little bit, and I need to move along quickly. i got two more points here, and I'll try to wrap up this message. Again, two more points, and if they took the same time as the other ones, you say, whoa, this is going to be a long message. But that's why I told you it's hard to preach on why the church exists. So I told you that at the beginning. And so please just listen along a little longer, if you would. Romans chapter 15, verse number 7. It says, Wherefore, receive you one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made on the fathers, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. And again praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. Saying the same thing, exalt the Lord, but also I want you to notice there in verse number seven, wherefore receive you one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Why does the church exist? It exists for fellowship. Christian fellowship, true Christian fellowship, save people getting together for a Christian fellowship so that they can praise the Lord together, but also... They can fellowship around spiritual matters. Let's turn to Romans chapter 1. Just back up here a little bit in the book of Romans. We're in Romans on, <clears throat> on uh, well, no, not right now. Sometimes we're in it and sometimes we're not in it. But Romans on Wednesday nights. In, uh, in Romans chapter 1, verse number 11 and verse number 12, the Bible says, For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end. Ye may be established, that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and of me. Why does Calvary Baptist Church exist? For Christians to have fellowship together. To have fellowship together. To be a place where we can encourage each other to be spiritual. To seek to do what we ought to do. Let's turn to Romans chapter 15. That's why, again, it's important to get connected with a church or an assembly. Again, this allows us to have fellowship in the gospel, uh, to, again, continue in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, where it talks about there in Acts chapter 2. Romans chapter 15, verse number 14, I myself am persuaded unto you, my brethren, that you are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. And so he mentions here that these individuals are able to encourage one another. And certainly that is one of the reasons, again, for a church to exist, to be a place where born-again, blood-washed Bible believers can get to gather to have relationships concerning the Word of God and the truths of God. 
I'm going to move on. Let's turn to our last thought here. I want to turn to Romans chapter 15 and verse number uh, 9 through 11. Uh, Romans chapter 15, verse number 11, uh, 9. It says here, And that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as is written, For this cause I will confess thee among the Gentiles, and sing unto thy name. What's the last reason I want to consider this morning of why Calvary Baptist Church exists to extend God's grace and mercy to others and to speak of it in the congregation? Life is about extending mercy and grace to others. Sometimes we forget that. But that's what Christianity is about. Let's turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. One could look at maybe the side of, of Jesus and he warning those Pharisees, warning those Pharisees of their hypocrisy and how they're twofold, the child of hell. And he did do that. There's no doubt about that. But yet you find in his ministry his desire to extend grace to the Pharisees and extend grace to those in Jerusalem as he, he cried over that city who rejected him to a large degree. What was Jesus' work? Well, I think we can see it here to some degree in Luke chapter 4. And uh, let's look at verse number 16 through verse number 21. Again, Jesus' ministry is our ministry. Again, it's one of hospitality. It's one of, again, seeking to restore those that need help. It is a spiritual hospital for sinners. It's a hospital for sinners. I think that's good for us to consider and good for us to remember. Luke chapter 4, verse number 16, it says, He taught in the synagogues, being glorified of all, and came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there he delivered on the book of the prophet Isaiah, and from which he opened the book, he found the place that is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he had anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. I mean, just think about all those verses, all those thoughts, sorry, not verses, but those thoughts there, verse number 18, to preach the gospel to the poor. That was to give them hope. And it says he had to heal the brokenhearted. Help those of broken heart. Had their heart broke. Preach deliverance to the captives. Preach liberty to those that are bound in sin. The recovering of sight to the blind. And to set at liberty those that are bruised. It's all about seeking to minister to people that are hurting. It's about extending God's grace to those that need it. It's even about giving forgiveness to fellow believers who maybe have hurt us or harmed us. It's about spiritual help and even physical help. Heal the brokenhearted. Preach deliverance. Set at liberty those that are bruised. It's a work of help. It's a work of caring. Let's turn to Jude, if you would, before we close here today. Jude, 
It's about caring for the lost. It's about caring for those that are saved. It's about seeking to help those that need help. It's about being a help to those maybe, again, that are weak, bearing the infirmities of the weak and not pleasing our own self. Again, we find in the little book of Jude here, just before the book of Revelation, Jude, and I like to start in verse number 20. These are some of my... I don't know what you want to call it, favorite verse passage in the Bible, verse 20 through 24. I, a lot of times I'll end a letter with this now when I write. Uh, Jude, verse 20, it says, But ye, beloved, build up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating them, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. We have a minister of grace and mercy. God extended us grace and mercy. We have a ministry of grace and mercy. We need to promote grace and mercy. We need to offer grace and mercy. Again, we see why the church exists. Ex- exists to expand God's kingdom through evangelism, to explore God's book, every facet of it, to exalt God's character, to praise Him and worship Him and pray to Him, to encourage God's people through fellowship, to extend God's grace through ministry and mercy. These are the reasons we exist. Let's end with Colossians chapter 1, verse number 28. I'm just going to end with this verse. I could look at Romans 15. But I think this kind of summarizes, again, why a church exists. Verse number 28, it says, Whom we preach, warning every man, and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. It's about preparing people to meet their God. Let's close as we consider the Word of God here this morning. Thank you for your kind attention.